Today I want to look at what God says about man's oldest, oldest problem. So please take out the sermon notes that have been provided for you. Man's oldest problem is temptation. Going all the way back to Adam and Eve, we all eventually face that problem. The problem of temptation. In fact, how many of you have had a personal experience with temptation? Raise your hand if you had. Yeah. Wow. How many of you have discovered that even when you know what is right to do, it's always difficult to say no? Have you learned that? It is difficult at times. Oscar Wilde once said, I can withstand anything except temptation. He also said, the only way to get rid of temptation is to give in to it. But look at what James says, James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trials. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. See, the Bible says there are two different kinds of testings. One is called trials. Second is called temptations. Both of them come from the same Greek word, pyrosmos. It is used for both depending on the situation. A situation that sometimes can be a trial and a temptation. So to distinguish them in your notes, number one, I've said trials. Trials are situations from God designed to help us to grow. But number two, temptations, however, are situations from Satan designed to cause us to sin. So notice that there is a reward. James says there's a reward for enduring temptation and trials. You are blessed. You're happy when you endure. Happiness comes from having your life under control so that you know how to say no to those temptations. Then there's that crown of life, which in the Greek means real life. When you can resist temptation, then you learn how to really live. But the question is, how? How do I handle temptations? How do I learn to say no when, even when I want to say yes? Well, James, being the practical apostle of living, Christian living, gives us five principles. This morning we look at five principles to win over temptation. In your notes, number one, James would say, be realistic. How do you win over temptation? You have to first be realistic. James says, face the facts. You're going to be tempted. Even Christians. How many of you found out that even Christians are tempted? Raise your hand again. It's tempting. All of us are tempted. So look at what James says in James 1.13. He says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So James does not say, if you're tempted, temptations are inevitable. Have you ever met one of those pious Christians who say, in 25 years I've never been tempted like other people? I say, sure. And that's what you get when you cross a crocodile and baloney. What do you get? Crock of baloney. Everybody is tempted. The Bible says so. You're tempted. I'm tempted. Every day we are tempted. You never get too old for temptation. You never overcome it. You never get too spiritual for it. 
In fact, the more you grow towards God, the more you're going to be tempted. It's a fact of life. Reality says all of us are tempted. So look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has seized, Paul says, has seized you except that which is common to man. That means we all are in the same boat. No one can say, how could anyone do something like that? Ever hear that someone say that? Because we're all tempted. We all have the same problems. We all have the same temptations. So don't be shocked. Now get this in your notes. It's not a sin just to be tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. The Bible says it's a sin to give in to temptation. It's a sin when you give in to temptation. Jesus himself was tempted. Yeah, Jesus was tempted, but he never gave in to temptation. Jesus never sinned. Now, Martin Luther explained temptations in this way. You cannot keep the birds from flying over your head, but you certainly can keep them from making a nest in your hair. Temptations are going to come, always. But you have the right to give in and not give in to temptation. So number one, be realistic. Temptations are going to come. In your notes number two, James says then, be responsible. And be responsible. Don't blame other people for your problems. Accept responsibility. You know, we love to blame other people. And we even blame God at times. Look at James 1.13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he tempt anyone. So in your notes, don't blame. We love to blame God. We love to blame other people. Will Rogers said, we can summarize American history into two great movements. Number one is passing of the buffalo. Number two, passing of the buck. We live in a society of irresponsibility. We blame our society. We blame the government. We blame our environment. We blame heredity. We blame our parents. We blame your spouse. We love to blame everybody. So if we're going to overcome temptation, first of all, be realistic. But secondly, be responsible. Quit passing the buck. Number three, in your notes, James says, be ready. When temptation comes, be realistic, be responsible, but then be ready. Peter says, be on your guard. And Jesus says, watch out and pray that you enter not into temptation. The Apostle Paul says, put on the whole armor of God so you'll be ready. Look at James 1, 14 and 15. Each one is tempted when, by his own evil desires, he is dragged away and enticed. So we need to be prepared. We need to be ready. Don't be deceived. Have you noticed that temptation doesn't warn you in advance? Next week at two, on Tuesday at 10.15, you're going to be tempted. One of the reasons it is a temptation is you often don't even know that you're being tempted. It catches you by surprise. Comes around the corner. So you need to be ready. The fact is that we, we are all most vulnerable right after we've had some success. Man, I'm doing great. The Bible says, let him who stands beware, lest he falls. James says, be ready. So how do you re- prepare for temptations? How do you get ready? Well, James gives us four steps to understand how temptations work. By understanding how temptations work, you can be better prepared. 
So look at 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11 on the back of your notes. In order that Satan might not outweigh us, we are not unaware of his schemes, Paul says. God wants you to know how Satan operates, how he attempts. The devil has been using the same old bag of tricks for 2,000 years. So temptation is a process. So James uses four steps to help us understand how Satan works. So be ready. Number one, in your notes, the first step of temptation is the desire. Desire. Look at James 1.14. Each one is tempted when by his own evil desires. Temptation is an inside job. Most desires, desires are okay. In fact, God gives us desires to eat and to drink. God gives us sexual desires. God gives us desires to accomplish things. Desires are good gifts from God. But any desire out of control, any desire out of control can be destructive. What Satan loves to do is take the routine desires and turn them to runaway desires. We are obsessed with food or we're consumed by work or we're obsessed with having fun. So the first step of any temptation is that inward desire becomes out of control. It starts from the inside. Number two, in your notes, the second step of temptation is deception. Deception. We read the James 1.14. He's dragged away and enticed. Now James uses a couple of terms from the sports world here. And the word in the Greek for being dragged away is eskalmenos, which is the hunter's term, meaning in your notes, snared in a trap. And that's what temptations are. You are snared in a trap. The term entice, then, is also a fisherman's term, dialaisamenos, which means lured by bait, that is enticed. Lured by the bait. Do we have any fishermen here this morning? Got some a few. The secret of great fishing, <clears throat> in just in one sentence, the secret of great fishing is in the bait. The right kind of bait for the right kind of fish. How many fish are you going to catch on a bare hook? Not many. Let me ask you a personal question then. What kind of bait does the devil use on you? See, the devil knows that what is the most important tempting to you. He does. Satan knows you inside out. He knows your weaknesses. He knows what turns you on. He knows what you will fall for. The devil hides his hook in the bait. Temptations, therefore, are deceptive. In fact, sometimes we even know that the hook is, we don't even know the hook is in the bait, but we keep on anyway. Adults will say, I know. I know what I'm doing. I'm not going to get hurt. I'm an adult, and I'm not going to go that far. That person is deceived. They are already on step two. They have gone from desire to deception now. Temptations always look better than it really is. Number three, the third step in your notes. Deception turns to disobedience. Disobedience. Notice James says, Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. So James says that what begins in your mind now results in action. It starts in your imagination. The battle for your life and temptation starts with your thoughts. But it moves on from there into actions. The devil gets your attention. Then he gets you to have an attitude problem. Then he gets you to commit the action. Attention will eventually lead to that action. People say, 
what's the danger in some harmless fantasy? Because what starts in your mind comes out in your life. What you flirt with, you will fall for. What you flirt with, you will fall for. For the whole purpose of television advertising, they get you imagining something. They know that if you get in your mind, they have you. For example, you're sitting at home at 10 o'clock at night watching a Reds game. You put on the pizza commercial, hot steaming pizza, mozzarella is melting, and you're thinking, where's Domino's at? What's the number for Papa John's? What starts in the mind comes out in my life. If that isn't, doesn't work that way, no one be advertising, but it works. Desire leads to deception. Deception leads to disobedience. Number four in your notes. James says the fourth step in how temptation works is death. Disobedient leads to death, James says. Sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. That's the tragic consequences of giving into temptation. The consequences of disobedience in your notes is death. And that's what losing the battle causes. It causes devastating results. What is death? It's the exact opposite of life. You overcome temptation. James says that you receive the crown of life. You really live. But the wages of sin, that's death. Death is spiritual separation from God. We're free to make our choices, yes. We're not free from the consequences. We get our kicks, we get our kickbacks. The power of temptation, the power of sin is great. God knows our weaknesses even better than the devil. That's why God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law in order that we might redeem us from sin. Jesus, through his suffering on the cross, through his resurrection on Easter, gives us the power to become the children of God. With Jesus, we can stand up. We can endure our testing and our trials. How do we win over temptation? Be realistic. Be responsible. Be ready. Knowing that desire leads to deception. Deception leads to disobedience. And disobedience leads to death. Number four, in your notes, James then says, be refocused. Be refocused. In James 1.17, it appears that he switches gears. Out of the blue, James starts talking about the goodness of God, where James says, even good and perfect gift is from every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. See, James is redirecting here our thoughts to the goodness of God. And that's the fourth point. To win over temptation, you must refocus. You're talking about something negative at first. Now you're talking about something positive. So James refocuses our thoughts. The key to overcoming temptation is changing our inward thoughts. Just look at Philippians 4, verse 8, where Paul says, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. If anything is excellent, then think. Now think about such things. If you don't get anything else today, get this. The key to overcoming temptation in your notes is the principle of replacement. Yeah, replacement. The key to the, is the principle of replacement. Do not fight the temptation in your notes. Do not fight the temptation. Do not focus your attention. Do not fight on the temptation itself, but rather refocus. Refocus your thoughts. Refocus your thoughts. Change your attention. Shift your thoughts. Change your mind. Paul says, think about such things that are lovely, noble, right, and excellent. You see, the more you fight the feeling, the more you focus on the feeling, 
the mark grabs you. I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to feel this way. And you do. Because you're simply focusing more and more on your feelings. Sort of like a beautiful chocolate ice cream sundae sitting in front of you. And you're saying, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. Oh, then I ate it. And you know, what you resist persists. What you resist actually persists. The key to fighting temptation then is the principle of replacement. You refocus your thoughts. You get your mind on the goodness of God. Sometimes it may require you to remove yourself from the situation. If you don't want to be stung, then get away from the bees. Change the channel on that TV. Walk out of that movie. See, Joseph in the Old Testament was in tempting situation. And he left his coat and ran. Paul says, bad company in 1 Corinthians 15. Bad company corrupts good character. So walk away. Be refocused. And then number five in your notes. To win over temptation, you need to be reborn. You need to be reborn. Look at James 1, verse 18. He chose to give us birth to the word of truth. James is not talking about physical birth here. James is talking about being born spiritually. Born from above through the water and the word of holy baptism. That's most important. You must let God control your life. God wants to stand with you in times of temptation. James is saying two things here in your notes. Number one, God's word forgives your weakness in the past. God's word, through his word, announces his forgiveness for all your sins in the past. Because Jesus died on the cross, our sins are forgiven. And number two, God's word gives us strength in the future. Jesus gives you and me new capacity to resist temptations in the future. You don't have enough willpower on your own. You on your own cannot learn to say no until you say yes to Jesus. God's word and the promise of the gospel gives us strength to resist. What's your weak spot? Where do you most are most vulnerable? So be realistic. Be responsible. Be ready. Be refocused. And finally, be reborn. From 1 Corinthians 10, God is faithful, Paul says. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you are tempted, he will also provide you a way out so that you can stand up under it. Amen.